surely it's not an exhaustive list but it's the names of our God and what he can do for you and will do for you and we're going to look at a few scriptures tonight I want you to think about that thing going on in your life Genesis 18 Abraham and Sarah wanted so much to have a child and was unable to so God told him hey Sarah's going to have a son and she laughed so look in Genesis 18 we're going to pick it up verse 12 it says therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying after I've grown old shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also and the Lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh saying surely I shall I surely bear a child since I'm old is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time I'll return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son but Sarah denied saying I did not laugh for she was afraid and he said oh no you laughed how many times have we done that inside according to the promises of God and said but I don't see it Lord what happens to us is that you and I walk by sight too often and when we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't see results for our prayers we give up and I'm telling you do not give up do not give up. If we walk by sight, our, our life will always be miserable. You can't believe sight when it's good, let alone when it's bad. We're to walk by faith, which comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. I'm telling you, whatever that thing is in your life, that the enemy has told you, you're never going to have this prayer answered. He is a liar. He cannot see the end of the future. He can't see your future, and yet you and I know his. That's kind of cool. He will have an ugly end, and I'll enjoy watching it. I will. I believe one day there will be a, uh, that God sends an angel, grabs him by the scruff of the collar, and throws him into a bottomless pit. We get to see it. We get to see it. I mean, he's, he's caused a lot of grief in our lives. But I, I'm telling you that our God is able to do a whole lot more than we can even think. And we can think of some stuff. Can you think of that thing going on in your life? I'm not expecting responses because I know that if you say something, everyone's going to know, right? Well, I'm telling you, we all got stuff. We've all got that one thing, whether it's something with your health, something with your finances, something with your kids, your parents, your spouse, your family, your job. There's something. There's always something. Pastor hit an old nail on the head this morning. Oh, when he was talking about being laid off, I thought he, he said it takes for every day you're laid off, it takes two to catch up. I thought, no, no, four. If you've got kids, four. And it seems like the enemy uh, just used those times, wanted to use those times. Uh, you get laid off, a lot of times it's because you will uh, serve God. And we live in a world that doesn't like us. And so Christians are often the first to go. It will happen. Turn to Matthew 27. Whatever that thing is, and you have doubts about our God, let me tell you something about our God and being laid off. He'll still take care of you. <laughs> He'll still take care of you. We had four little stair steps, just like Pastor John Ruthie had four of them right in a row. You got four kids, they want to eat every day. It's the most bizarre. I don't mind it myself. And, uh, and like a high power, they never call and say, oh, you laid off, we'll cut you a break. Don't worry about this month. Seems like they want money. Every month. Have you ever noticed that? The bank's like that. Insurance companies are like that. 
your utilities are like that. Anyone else ever notice that? There's always stuff that's going to go on, but God will take care of you. That's what tonight is all about. You need to know God will take care of you. In Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross. We're going to pick it up at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man's calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rock split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. How, many, how often do you ever hear about this? You understand that happened when Jesus died. So, so there were graves. There are some people who died twice. Have you run into anyone that was around then? That was one of them? I'm telling you that they had to die twice. Lazarus died twice. That's our God. Your situation may look dead. It may look dead as it can be. And I'm telling you, God can speak life into it. When he speaks life into something, it lives. It lives. Remember, we were, this morning we sang about the Valley of Dry Bones? We sing that all the time. God, God is able to speak to dead bones. That's not just a story. It really happened. He can do that in your marriage. He can do that with your health, your finances, every area of your life. Our God can. Our God takes care of us. Have you, have you been saved long enough to know that God will take care of you? I'm telling you, his name is faithful and true. He will take care of us. When you, when you are young parents and you have kids, you will question that. You will. Think, oh, my gosh. I, I remember so often. I remember one time uh, we had gotten laid off and it was... Uh, Oh, man, that was hard. And uh, we, we were talking to someone else, and they said, oh, my gosh, we know, we know exactly what you're going through. I said, you do? He said, yeah, we had to take money out of savings. They didn't know exactly what we were going through. I said, you know, when you, have, when you have children that close, family planning was not a long suit. Uh, kids, kids are expensive. Are you out there tonight? You, you, if they aren't yet, wait. Because they'll get that way. Not that I would trade it for anything, but it's just life. There, life happens to you and me. We're in a world where stuff happens. And I'm telling you, we serve a God that will meet every need that we have. Through the, the layoffs that we had, we never lost weight. I'm just telling you the truth. We, we didn't. We ate every day. And, and there, were, there were times when we... I, I'm the head. I'm the dad. And people look at me like, okay, well, what are we doing, dad? What? I'm not the shell answer man. I, I, I don't, that's, sometimes the best answer is I don't know. And that was my answer a lot of times. I, said, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to look to God. And he always, always has taken care of us. Romans 8, one of my favorite scriptures. This is our God we're talking about. Verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to the purpose, his purpose. Does not say all things are good. 
says all things work together for good. God takes bad stuff. He takes ugly stuff. Thirty-one years ago tomorrow, we buried a son. Our second oldest. Wasn't supposed to happen. Not in my eyes. Not my way of thinking, but God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. They're higher. And I'm telling you that God put something in us I would trade for nothing. I don't want to go through it again, but God put something in us during those times. We want to run from hard times. We want to run from trials. We question God. And it's when God does his greatest work in us, he squeezes junk out of us. We need junk squeezed out of us. The world gets in us. You're going to have to respond to me because you all look like you're not believing what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's going to be things that's going to happen to you and I. Turn the lights on. I can't see faces. I need to see faces. I want to make sure people aren't sleeping. Do you love God? He will take care of you. He will take care of you, church. Have you ever been closer to God than you've been in your trials? We detest them, don't we? And yet, that's when God does His greatest work in you and I. We detest them. We hate it. And yet, is God does His best stuff in us. The hotter the fire, the purer the gold. You know, you might get tired of hearing this, but this is our testimony. This is what God has done for us. I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. You understand? You've gone through some things you haven't signed up for, right? But God uses them. He, want, he wants us to listen to his voice. And I'm telling you, as a son of God, that oftentimes the only time he can get our attention is allow us to go through stuff. I'm not asking for stuff to go through. Those things just seem to come. But when he sees in us that he needs to get our attention. He'll get it. When we were growing up, uh, my mother, that, uh, Teresa is really a picture of mom. Mom was that sweet. She, she, you could work mom if you were one of the sons. You could work her. If you could make mom smile, you could get out of a lot. Dad wasn't so much into that. And so, when you had pushed that sweet woman to the place where she said, I'm going to have to talk to your father when he gets home, you knew you had pushed her too far. Now, I can just remember, usually my brother Rick and I, we'd be waiting on that car, I could still hear that six-cylinder shut off. Dad would shut off. The door would shut. I think, oh my gosh, this is going to be so bad. I never once, when I was getting spanked, ever thought it was my neighbor. I knew it was my dad. And so when God disciplines us, you won't have to worry about being the devil. It's God. He does that. He's, he disciplines those who he loves. We're in America. We don't like hearing this. But th this happens. Uh, one of the funniest things that happened, we went to, I can't remember what it was, Keith or Nate's boot camp graduation in Chicago, and we went into a pizza store there uh, to get pizza, and all these guys wore shirts. It was their company logo. And the, the, the logo said, this ain't Burger King, and you can't have it your way. You take it our way or you don't get it. I thought, now that, this is what we need to hear about God. We can't, we can't go up to him and say, well, I don't want to go through trials. I don't want to go through tribulations. I want my life to just be smooth. I want everyone to be happy. I want all my bills paid. And you know what would happen? You and I would never cry out to God. 
Never. It, we don't like hearing this in America, but this is not, this is not when we get a hold of God, when everything, how many of you came to Christ because things were good in your life? And it was awful for me. It was my mom's cancer. That's, that, that's when we come to God. But our God says he can make all things work together for good. Our God can. Let me tell you something about our God. You can lose a child and still have fullness of joy. You can. You can not some phony smile. You can have joy. Do I miss him? I'd give everything away. Still, I still would. But I have peace and I have joy. There was a time the enemy came to me, and we were at Children's Hospital in Cincinnati, and uh, Benny had just had his transplant, then he had relapsed. It, it was such an ugly time. The enemy came to me and said, let me touch him. Give your life to me, I'll touch him, I'll heal him. I'm not going to repeat what I said to him. You understand what he does? He messes with your head. He messes with your head. But God says in Jeremiah that I know the thoughts I think towards you. And they're thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you and me an expected end. That's what God says about us. Not what the enemy says about us. The enemy tempts us, tells us it's all right, it's not that serious. You and I fall for it, and when we do, he says, you're so stupid, God hates you. You out there? Listen, not what God says about us. God, God doesn't love like we love. Aren't you glad? I, mean, I, I love you. If you love me, that's fine, but if you don't, I'm not going to chase you down. God does. God does. He loves us with an everlasting love. The same God says, you call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things you don't know. Call, call unto me. It says in Jeremiah 33, 3. This same God. Listen, when you are going through that thing you're going through, and the enemy is pounding at you, we were talking about this in Sunday school, can you believe the thoughts you can have? It is, it's a barrage. I wake up to go in the bathroom in the middle of the night and, and thoughts are going to run a mile a minute in my head. I think, how can this be? I'm, I'm at rest, supposedly. Something's got to discern those thoughts. Something has to. Do you know that's why people leave churches? That's why they leave marriages. They go through stuff and can't figure out why in the world things aren't going like they want them to go. They leave the word of God. And so they turn themselves over their thoughts. There's nothing to discern their thoughts. And let me tell you something about the enemy. He doesn't care what you're going through. So there's rosters. Let's give them a break. They're having problems with Annabelle's eyes. Let's leave them alone for a while. So I'm sure he has, right? I see Jim back there who lost his wife not long ago. The enemy says, leave him alone. I mean, this guy's had it rough. Let's just cut him a break. So he does, right? Yeah. Leave pastor and he preaches the word. Him, Ruthie. Let's leave them alone. Now, what's he do? He waits until you're down, and then he comes and he kicks you. Listen, it's the enemy that kicks you. It's the enemy. 
You've got to know that's not God that does that. God is not the bully next door. He's our Father. He disciplines us. He corrects us. He loves us. He corrects us because He loves us. The Word of God tells us if we don't correct our son, we hate him. So what's, what's he going to do to us? He said, if I, if I don't correct you, he said, you're illegitimate. You're not one of mine. So he corrects us. Welcome to America. We hate correction. We, we don't like being told what to do. You like being told what to do? Yeah, right. Listen, this God wants you and I to know that as things come our way, if you are going to give up on God, you need to change your mind. And I'm telling you, we are in the day, if you aren't here on Wednesday nights, you're crazy. You are crazy. This guy named Amir that is, that is broadcasting right from Israel, I, I don't know how long we're going to be able to watch him either, but I'm telling you, while we can, we need to suck up everything he's got. This is a believing, this is a born-again Jew, and he is right on the front lines. He's right on the Syrian border. You can hear all the bombs and everything else going off. And, and the, the study with Jimmy DeHaan and these other scholars, I'm telling you, church... I used to think my kids, maybe my grandkids, would live to see the rapture of the church. I, I'm only 63 years old. I, I believe I'm going to see it. I believe I'm in the generation that is not going to die. Oh, I, I do. I, it, I believe it is. It's at the door. Do not stop serving God now. It would be real bad timing on your part. You don't want to be an end-time preacher. Not, not a post-rapture preacher. Because if you do, the only way out of this is to be beheaded. And I'm telling you, it would not be worth it. You would be giving up way too soon. Many, many, many are not going to finish the race. Listen, you be encouraged tonight. Whatever it is that you're going on, that you're going through, that is exalting itself against your knowledge of God, you need to start speaking to that mountain. Saying, hey, leave me alone. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Be cast into the sea. I haven't got time for you. John 5. As I pray for my family... I have two brothers who need to come to the Lord. I've said, Lord, just, just get them saved. I, we're running out of time. We're going to be going, and then I, I don't know what. The church is going to be raptured out of here. So get, God, you have to move on their hearts. You have to. You've got family members who need saved? Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. You understand, he saved you and me. I don't know how in the world we could ever doubt. He saved us. I feel like my microphone's not even on. Pastor said, welcome to my world. John 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in it, in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? 
The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Don't you wonder why Jesus said, Is that what I ask you? Did you answer my question? Did he answer his question? No, he didn't. Just like you and I. God asks us a question. Well, I know, but there's just so much going on because I've got to go work tomorrow and this, and then I've got that. And then. God said, just answer my question. Do you, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust God with your life? If you trust God with your life, why do we not trust God with our family's lives? He's the only one worth trusting. He is faithful and true. He will take care of us, church. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Trouble's coming. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It's the Sabbath. It's not law for you to carry your bed. Don't you think it'd be cool if he just would? <clears throat> that crew was always harassing. We see it all through Scripture. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? And walk. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus, finally in the temple, said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. I'll bet he did. The enemy hates when God moves in your life. You understand that as soon as Jesus made him whole, he was harassed. We see it if you look in John 9, you can read about the blind man. I swear he had less troubles before he could see. They badgered him and badgered him and badgered him. But who do you say he is? Look, I don't know. All I know is I was once blind and now I see, okay? Same way with this guy. The enemy will constantly stay at you. He'll just, he's kind of like one of those little uh, chihuahuas. If you love chihuahuas, God bless you. I'll just leave that alone. There, I've never met a nice chihuahua in my life. Ever. I've never, I've never met one that just comes up to you and wants petted and everything. They're the most high-strung dog there is. And they, I don't want to leave it alone because now I want to say stuff. Turn to Mark 4. This is our God I'm talking about. Our God that says, I change not, it's the same God. He still touches people today. He still touches hearts. He still changes life. He's in the saving business. He still writes name in, names in his book of life. Our God does. He's still a deliverer. Everything we saw in that video was just a, a tip of the iceberg of what God does. If you look through all his names and who he is and what he does, it is his nature. And I don't know what has happened, how the enemy has somehow got so infiltrated in the church that we now have stifled the hand of God. We, we think he can't do stuff or would want to. God says, I, I don't change. I'm still God. I'm still the comforter. I'm still the healer. I'm still the savior, the deliverer. Our God. He's here right now. He's here. He's in this place. Isn't it cool when he'd come to New Hope? He's here. Even as we speak, he's here. Not so you can go, uh, waiter. He's God. We learned this morning. You get on your knees. Humble yourself before him. You want his attention? Humble yourself before him. That don't get his attention. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
starting with verse 35 in Mark 4. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the boat, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that... <laughs> that we're parents? Hey, what about us? They don't say, mention anything about him. The teacher doesn't care. We're, we're perishing. Hey, we're going to die. It, it, human nature is the same no matter how far back you look. We're concerned about us. God is so merciful. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? And man has this broken up into chapters. Man did that just to make it easier to find stuff. But if, if you go back to verse 35, he said, Let us cross over to the other side. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. I'm telling you that if Jesus said, let us cross over the other side, we are going to the other side. Doesn't matter what the storm looks like in your life. Doesn't matter how many bills you have. Doesn't matter how hard the marriage looks. Doesn't matter what work looks like. I'm telling you, when God says to me and you, let's cross over to the other side, we are going to the other side. And I'm telling you, you and I are living in a day when we are going to the other side. A trumpet is going to sound and you and I are leaving. I wish my mic worked. We're leaving. We're, we're leaving. As sure as, as sure as anything, we are leaving. I, I don't know where I'm going to be at the time. I know that he's coming in an hour that we are not expecting. But I, can't, I told Marsha, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. The dead in Christ rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. You see, this ain't cartoons. This is really going to happen. Well, it's never not happened before. I know. But it's going to happen. Because everything that God says was going to happen is going to happen. When Jesus said, let us pass over the other side, we go to the other side. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, he goes to prepare a place for you. And I, I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait. To, I can just, I don't know what CNN's going to do with this. There, you understand, we will have been abducted by aliens probably. But we're going to go up, and I'm telling you, no matter where I'm at, my eyes are going to be towards Mount Calvary Cemetery. Oh, my gosh. That song we sing, oh, there's going to be a meeting in the air in a sweet, sweet by and by. I love that song. There's going to be, church, you realize we are in that generation. You and I are. On this Sunday night, we are in a generation where I believe with all of my heart that we will hear the trump of God and we will be involved in the rapture because we are winding down. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Uh, I'm not going to say I don't care what's going on in your life. It doesn't sound very good, but I'm telling you that my God is bigger than anything you and I go through. Anything. He's bigger than it. So if you just knew, if you just knew how many bills I had, if you just knew what was going on in my body, if you, I don't need to know that. I've got my own life. But I'm telling you, I know I have been through enough to know He'll always be enough. Always. When I had my heart attack in November, I'm telling you, His grace was sufficient. I thought I was checking out. And I was not scared. 
pastor was up there in the hospital. I said, it's cool. It's cool, pastor. I said, I, I have no fear at all. I, I thought I was, I thought I was gone. And I love my family. I love my grandchildren. I love my wife and kids. But none of them compare with seeing Jesus face to face. You understand? One day we'll, we'll see him as close as my hand is right here to my face. We will see Jesus. On that day, I promise you, whatever's going on with your house that didn't get fixed, whatever bill didn't get paid, no matter how that rotten car won't run, no matter how many flat tires you have, none of that will matter on that day. To me, the most frightening thing would be is to see all the bodies going up and you're jumping trying to go up and you're not moving. Now look, we are without excuse. God says His grace is sufficient for you and I. So whatever you're going through, God says, my grace is going to be enough for you to walk through it. I look at, I look at Jim back there. People say, losing a child's got to be the worst thing in the world. I say, I, I don't believe that. Uh, losing my sweetheart would be. That to me would be the hardest thing in the world. But I see, I see him, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's grace is sufficient as I look at Jim Foster. God's grace is enough. You can't fake that. So whatever it is you're going through, you need to look the enemy right square in the eye and say, I'm not quitting. I'm going on with God. You're not going to discourage me. And when you, when you get up here, and you are giving the word of God, you can expect attacks. I really expect you to sit there like you are. I do. I expect it. Because the, the spirit of slumber will hit the church. Yeah, yeah, I know. Great. Yeah, we, what time is it? <laughs> That's what happens. Because we're so intertwined with this world, and I'm telling you, we need to... Get the grip of the world off of us. Get our eyes open. To the, Wait a minute. God is doing a work. He's doing a work in us. Isaiah 43. Aren't you glad God waited on you? I mean, if the rapture would have occurred a lot of years ago, not all that many years ago, I, I wouldn't have been in it. I'm so glad. If it, as I think of all those boys I grew up with, 33 of them dead before they were 25, in like a six or seven block area. I'm so glad that God spared me. I'm so glad that God had mercy on me because I was, I was with them. We ran from the law. We loved fast cars, and we loved alcohol. Man, that's a bad combination. I mean, I grew up in the muscle car, car area, era when you jump in a car, you wanted to go 140 mile an hour, you could. You do that in a muscle car in a heartbeat. Those Hamakudas, the, the Z28 Camaros, the Chevelles, the Ford Mustangs, I mean, they were making some bad cars. And a bad in more ways than one. And you put a, you put a, a, a man in 19, 20 years old and alcohol and a V8 and a four-speed went to a lot of funerals, friends of mine. But God, but God spared me. I'm here. And I'm going to live my life to bring him glory. He was so good to me, I'm going to tell everyone about him I can so that no one else goes down the road I went down I remember if you've ever been bound by alcohol you it's it is the most frustrating thing in the world I hate what it did to me but I felt powerless to do anything about it the next day I was just like the proverb they beat me and I didn't feel it. when when shall I awake that I can drink another drink Oh, I hated it. 
But God. But God. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful to the Lord that he saved me. I'm telling you, we need to open our eyes. Have God open our eyes tonight. Get your eyes off of your problem and get on the problem solver. He's bigger than any problem we have. Verse 1 in Isaiah 43 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Not if you pass through the waters. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they're not, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, says in Psalm 23. Doesn't say when I walk around it. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If there's a shadow, there's got to be a light. And God will always be there with us. He said, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you've been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, listen to what God says, I will give men for you and people for your life. When's the last time the enemy told you that one? God said, I'm going to give men for you. I'll give people for your life. That's a pretty good God right there. Fear not. For I'm with you. I'll bring your descendants from the east, gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. You and I are sitting in this place called New Hope Church tonight because God has created us for his glory. We read it in Isaiah 61 that we might be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord that he might be glorified. So when we walk through our trials, keep our eyes on God. Because we're going to pass through the fire. And we're going to go through the floods. We are going to. We're not exempt from that. If you're listening to teaching, it tells you if you love God, you won't have to go through anything. You need to run from them. Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you really have problems. I'm going to tell you a way to cure your problems. Jesus died for you because you and I are sinners. From the moment we are born, no one has to teach a child, hey, look, I want you to scream when you don't get your way. I want you to cry real loud. Because it's the fallen nature. We are, that is inherent. We got that from Adam. When he, he and Eve fell in the garden, that's the nature that is passed on to us. And God is a holy God and sin can't dwell on him. Can't dwell with him. So God said, I love you so much. Then I'm going to make a way for you to come to heaven. I'm going to give my son for you who knew no sin and I'm going to have him become sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I'm telling you, he, for God so loved the world that he gave his, yeah, it is only, it is his only son. I, as much as I, I love all of you, I would never have given our son for any one of you. I don't love you that much. Ever. I wouldn't have. But God did. Matter of fact, 
God gave his son knowing what we would do to him ahead of time. I can't, I can't fathom that kind of love. That my God would love me so much that he would give his son and know that they were going to strip him naked and beat him beyond recognition on a cross. Who, who can understand that kind of love? Those of you who have sons, would you, would you let any of your sons do that? I, I, I don't even have to think twice about it. i say, no, no, I would not. But God did. His only son. I remember witnessing to a lady in Columbus when we were working up there. And uh, I was telling her about Benny. And she said, well, uh, we lost a child of leukemia too. So uh, our daughter uh, told me her name. Said, and then she said she was our only child. I thought, oh my gosh. That was God's only child. I'm so glad that, I mean, as soon as we lost Benny, uh, we, put, we put Nate in his bed so we didn't have an empty bed. I just can't imagine walking in and there's, it's empty. And yet, that, Jesus was God's only son. He knew ahead of time. All-knowing God knew ahead of time what they were going to do in, and sent him anyway. And gambled for his clothes. That's something we overlook. They, they, they were gambling for his clothes. I mean, to you and I, that means nothing. But, uh, we, we got clothes Benny wore and uh, Marshall would keep them in a bag. And I just go to those clothes in the beginning and I just take them. I just wanted to smell them. I can't imagine someone gambling for Benny's clothes. It makes me mad just even talking about it. And yet the father loved us so much. He knew that was going to happen. He commended his love toward us. Didn't wait on us to start coming to church. He commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us. I'm, I, I want to ask you something tonight, church. How can we doubt a God like that? How can we possibly question his love for us? He loves us with an everlasting love. And I'm telling you, if you're going through something tonight, you need to thank God for it. You need to thank God for it. Because he's pointing you to him. It's the only time he seems to get our attention. Especially in America. We are spoiled brats. I'm with you. I'm not pointing no fingers. I'm saying all of us. We have a soft life in America. That's another reason I want Christ to come because it's changing. And I believe along with the rapture, before it happens, we'll obviously see much persecution come to the church in America. Not asking for it. Just saying I'm seeing it's coming. But you know what? When it happens, his grace will still be enough. I'm not saying I like a hero. I'm just saying I've watched too many of you go through too many things and I know his grace will be enough. It, because he gives us peace that passes understanding. All this you're hearing tonight, the enemy doesn't tell you. Oh, if we had the guts to say what the enemy tells us. As I sat right there where Pastor Joe was sitting, Marsh and I would sat there, and we looked at the little white casket about that big. You would think that the enemy at least would leave you alone at your child's funeral, wouldn't you? No, he don't care. He come to me and said, I won. 
I was sitting there just like pastor sitting, uh, real proper, but inside, inside, in my spirit, I'm telling you, I was going, bring it on. Bring it on. I want you. Let me show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve God all my life. I said, if it's all of my children, if it's my wife, I'm still going to go on with God. Because he's the only one worth serving. You piece of trash. And if he'll say that to me at a funeral of my son, he'll say the same thing to you with what you're going through. He doesn't care if your feelings have been hurt. He was probably behind it. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Why would we expect anything else from him? I'm telling you tonight, when those things start going on in your life and you start questioning God, you've got to go to the Word of God and remind yourself, wait a minute, He loves me with an everlasting love. All things work together for good for those who love. I love God. This isn't fun. You ever told God that? This ain't fun. We're in America. Everything's supposed to be fun, right? It's not. It's the gospel. Look, if you're here tonight and you don't know him, you just need to receive him. You need to repent of your sins. Say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Save my soul. I turn my life over to you. Write my name in your book of life. It's really not... In there. I think the best sinner's prayer, if there's a sinner prayer, is this. Help! That's a sinner's prayer. I'm a mess, God. I need help. I, I can't do anything on my own. I need you. That's a sinner's prayer. Come, you be Lord of my, my life. No man can serve two masters, but everyone serves one. I want to play that song again. When they do, come up the altar. If you've got something burdening you down, watch this video. And I'm telling you, we serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, above all that you ask or, or think, even a secret sin God can deliver you from. That one no one else knows about, no one else, God is able to deliver you from that. Wouldn't it be awful to miss the rapture for that?